0: morning. This is Kareem Kanji. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome with Kareem Kanji. So excited to bring my next conversation and my next podcast episode to you. First of all, I want to thank all of you for finding and listening to this podcast. You can obviously find it at my website, kareemkanji.com. You can find me on Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, spotify basically anywhere you find podcasts there i am if you do subscribe would love for you to rate and review leave a comment if you're finding me on my website love to hear uh, some feedback as well as you know who you'd like to uh, have me speak with on this podcast so today's guest is actor based out of vancouver Aisha K. Aisha is originally from Saudi Arabia, uh, partially raised in Vancouver. It'll be be an interesting story, so uh, uh, listen to that. But uh, she stars in a brand-new Canadian production. Uh, She plays the role of Layla in the film Jasmine Road, which recently opened the Edmonton International Film Festival. And has also played at the uh, Calgary Film Festival as well. We talk about her life, how she got into acting, and um, we also talk about or discover why she's afraid of water. So look out for that as well. So please enjoy my conversation with Aisha K. Aisha, thanks so much for joining me this evening. Thank you for having me. Now, I know it's evening here. Are you in Vancouver, I'm guessing?
1: Yeah, it's Vancouver, and we're just before sunset, so we've got an hour.
0: You have an hour for the sun.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice.
0: And and how are things in Vancouver? It's like the the, the little corner of paradise, apparently, of of Canada. Uh, Tell me, can you see the mountains, the ocean from where you are?
1: Well, I can see a lot of buildings on downtown,
0: Oh. Okay. and
1: um, it, is, it is quite a nice place to be, but we've had the forest fires for a while, and they just cleared up about 10 days ago or so, or two weeks. I'm losing track.
0: And this is the forest fires down in the States? Yeah. And it's impacted you guys?
1: Oh yeah, we've had, we've had a number of days that were very orange and dark. Really? Yeah, and all the moths were hanging by the windows.
0: <laughs> oh wow!
1: Yeah,
0: I had heard that it—it it was a fact, that I just didn't realize how how much so.
1: Yeah, it was it was terrible, and I uh, yeah I, at least it's not like my friends. Some of them in the states they tell me they had their bags by the door so they can leave when if they have to. Wow! Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, I, I wanted to first of all congratulate you on, uh, on this movie, Jasmine Road. And uh, you play Leila, uh, that's your character. So congratulations on, uh, I, I think it's out now, right? You guys just did a, an opening at the, Ed, was it the Edmonton International?
1: Yeah, very good. We had an, an opening for Edmonton and we were also selected for Calgary International Film Festival. Um, we were uh, We received an award at the Edmonton Film Festival excellent Canadian feature yeah (laughs) that's amazing I know it's exciting it's my first time to have a lead role in a feature film and I'm very thrilled about that
0: that's fantastic well congratulations thank you so much you on that now I'm assuming you didn't go to Edmonton you sat in your lovely living room (laughs) your son was not gaming uh tell what was that experience like tell me about it
1: well, you're right. We couldn't, we couldn't go to, to the festival. I don't, I don't think it would have been responsible for me to go just for that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have my son. Actually, I didn't see my son, um, for six, six months since COVID started, he was visiting his dad in Saudi Arabia and oh, wow. they closed the airport. So <laughs> a lot of like, you know, a lot of things were happening and he wasn't there, wasn't here. And then he just arrived a week ago. Wow, yeah yeah
0: so how was that that's that's crazy so I, you have to tell me how this works with a film festival mm-hmm. that is virtual um that do you still sit down and watch it and you know and, and then is, is there q and a tell me about that experience for you.
1: Um, so thankfully, we had the director Warren Salataki, be in Calgary, and he oh. managed to go to Edmonton. Yeah, and some of the um, some of the cast and the crew were uh, from Calgary and Edmonton because that's where we we were filming in South of Calgary. So yeah, yeah they they held the fort and they were there okay. for both uh, for both times, and they also held the Q and A. Q&A. And it was so lovely because Warren, as they were doing the Q and A, we had. Um, uh i think nico uh, he's the social media guy yeah, and yeah. he he was holding the camera and doing and so warren was addressing us and he kept referring to us and it really felt like we were there with him because it's not like just him talking to the people or the crowd and sold out now with the virtual s- streaming is like a whole other game of, of <laughs> sold yeah. out. You're like this film is sold out and i'm looking at the audience and i'm like huh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we did manage, uh, there was only one time where the film was uh, streaming all over Canada through Uh Fuse, uh, Fuse channel. And so that's when we got to see it all at the same time. Nice. Mm -hmm.
0: And was that your first time actually seeing the finished product?
1: It was my second. Your second? We got a private screener from the director to see it. And it was kind of sad. We had a, a, a meeting the day after the whole, all of us together on Zoom to just, you know, celebrate and touch base with each other. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's it's very bittersweet because it,
0: mm.
1: you know, it's when you end a film, it, it's very strange. It was my first time and I, I went through like a, a very interesting stage when I returned. But you go to a location for, you know, and for a length of time, like for us, it was over three weeks and you're filming every day from morning until very late at night. And, you know, you have a purpose every day and you have this character and you're so in the, circumstances of this character and then suddenly it's like a plane or like an alien ship drops you right back the point where you were and it's like nothing happened and a year goes by and it's like nothing happened it's like a three week of your life that did not exist wow and so it's nice to i think it's a nice quote-unquote healing process to to get together with the people and like no it happened we were together yeah yeah we actually
0: we actually did that thing i forget what it feels like to go to the office.
1: Yeah, oh my God, yes. Um, Before,
0: you know, we've all been in some way, shape or form, um, alone, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. away from people uh, for I think, is it seven, almost seven months now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Do you remember what it was like back in February and early March. What was, what was, tell me about, Aisha, your life. What were you doing back, way back in early 2020?
1: Good old days. Yeah. Um, Well, I used to have very strict routine of going to the gym. Okay. Uh, That was my backbone because when you work as an actor and that's mainly what you do, your, your schedule is never in your control. Yeah. You're always um, having to Um, wait for like an audition request, uh, self-tape, you have a booking, you might not have a booking, you might get like a hundred things in one week and nothing for three months. Mm -hmm. So you have to keep sane and you have to have something that keeps you away from anxiety and keeps you in a good mental health. And so that, yeah, the gym was like the core of my day. So whatever happened changes, it's like there. And then I used to like hang out with my girlfriends during the weekend. Um, sometimes go with my son for like dinner out or something like that. Um, yeah. and it's just all the classes that you do in person. I do a lot of classes and uh, I just miss the proximity. I miss energy, people's energy and just this hugging and love. <laughs> it's just physical contact. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is that is crazy. Uh, when did your, When did your son come back from Saudi Arabia?
1: he arrived october 4th
0: oh my goodness so just a few days ago
1: yep yeah. and he left on the yeah. march break of school last year
0: this year or like last
1: year so, so his school like so
0: march, oh yes yeah march of this year of this year yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 yeah, wow and it was supposed to be like for a week or yeah, two two
1: weeks mm-hmm.
0: and then it's like six months
1: Yeah. They, when he arrived, it was the last plane that was allowed in the country. They took them from the airplane. They had the bus there. They took everybody in the bus right into quarantine in a hotel. So even his dad over there couldn't see him. Um, and at the time I was just, it was, everything was new. All governments were faced with new things and they don't know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know at the time. Should I, like, I felt it was my first time as a parent to feel helpless because Part of me is like, I have to protect my son. But then part of me is like, where is the thing about protecting your son and also protecting the entire population? So how do you navigate
0: those things? Wow.
1: So two weeks, 14-year-old in a hotel, in a room. Um, But yeah, my friends tell me with internet access, 14-year-old in a hotel room by himself is going to be okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You must have been I could just imagine my son. Who's the same age as yours. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he'd, I, I'd be worried sick. Like, is he okay? Is, did he make it to the hotel?
1: Yeah, and emotionally, like, how is he going? Is he feeling sad? Because boys don't communicate that much at this age. Yeah. But at least if you see them, you get a sense of where they're at. It's just little grunts or things that, and you know, like, oh, he's <laughs> feeling bad today.
0: <laughs> okay. You know what? You've actually helped me calm down because I thought it was just our son who was grunting. <laughs> That's
1: all, all 14-year-old boys are the same. <laughs> yeah. How is school? Good. How is everything? Good. What did you do? Fine. <laughs> and then my, my friends who have daughters, they're like, they come and they have the full report about every other friend and their grandmother and their great-grandmother and I'm like, <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> wow. That, that is, that is just wild.
1: Yeah.
0: So how, how was he in Saudi Arabia for six months? How was he? Yeah.
1: Well, he loves it there. Okay. And part of the reason is, so he goes there. Um, and of course to see his dad because he doesn't see his dad most of the year. And, um, he has his, um, mother, uh, grandmother from my ex husbands side. Okay. And she is the sweetest human. So he's there. He's fed every day, three meals a day. And it's like Saudi style. It's like, good oh. morning, have breakfast, good afternoon, have lunch, good night, have dinner. <laughs> it's, it's all about food and, and loving through food.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> that is, that, and,
0: and you, were, you were born and raised in Saudi Arabia. I mean, this is a wild, like for me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I've, I've, you know, I was born in England, but I've lived here all my life. Wow, well, um, you don't have
1: the accent.
0: No, I came when I was a baby. Okay. Yes. Um, but the only things I know about Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. is what I hear in the news. Um, so so tell me, is, is what I hear in the news, is that really what Saudi Arabia is like?
1: So here's the trick thing. So I, I went in and out, in and out a number of times for my master's degree. I did in Portland, Oregon. And then for a while I was trying to apply for grad school in Ottawa while my ex-husband was doing his PhD there. So I, every time I left, um, I my only source of like real information was social media. And I would be so anxious to go back. I'd be like, oh my God, I feel everything is on fire, everything in a state of emergency. And then you go back and it's life as normal, life as usual. Everything is like the same. Um, so one thing I know for sure is that if you monitor any country in the world through media, you're gonna have an anxiety attack about going there, because it's okay. just major incidents that make the news. Um, for now, my sisters there. So I have we're a total of seven kids. So, oh wow! Yeah, I have only two sisters, and I'm close with them. And they are one of them is a PhD in psychology. The other one is an actor like myself. Yeah. And they are happy. They are like Aisha, come back. Everything is amazing. We drive. We you know sign up for our own thing we don't know, need permission we have our girlf- girlfriends they have a separate accommodation on their own so it seems like they're very happy to be independent but yeah. i would again say like i understand there's a difference between social freedoms and political freedoms and oh. that's the dilemma right now in saudi is like there is a lot of, of social freedoms um but they those permissions my concern about them is they've been offered to the people through one man's decision. And so I, I'm always afraid of a one man's decision about things, even if they're positive. Sure, because sure. if those things are not coming through a space of, of collective decision making, of collective choice, of like some kind of a, a way where people have agreed, it's problematic because if that p- person just wants to, he decides to take those freedoms away, this, the same way it came, the same way it will go out.
0: Wow. Yeah. It reminds me of things that, that, I used, that I've said as a parent to my son. I've brought you into this world. I'll take you out if you, <laughs> if, if, if you don't behave. Um, how old were
1: you when you first came to Canada? I was in middle school. Okay. And you were mentioning the mountains in Vancouver and the water. Yeah. And um, that the reason I came is because my dad is a nuclear physicist and he was fascinated wow. with, tra- <laughs> with travel. And um, one day he was passing by Vancouver and that was earlier than maybe 1993 or two. And mm-hmm. he went to Cyprus and he saw those people going up the, the what is it called? The thing that takes people up? The, um, the lifts. What is it called? The lifts. Yeah, the lift, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he saw them and he was like, oh, okay. And so he rents skis without any experience. He goes to the highest point on Cyprus and then he goes down and he ends up rolling and tumbling and breaking his ribs. And in the hospital, he's like, this is amazing. I got to bring my kids to experience this. (laughs) And so what you said, it's like Vancouver, you have the snow, you have the water, you have like, you can do everything within the day, the same day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. And so you're in, you're in grade 678 um, something like that
1: Then I think yeah middle, middle school it was like okay. yeah
0: yeah yeah so not just a few years younger than your son is now uh,
1: Yes that's correct right yeah
0: yeah um was, how was how that for a you know it's it's that that time of life where i remember my son i've, I've talked with my wife about this where mm-hmm. You know, when, when he started school as, I don't know, three, four, five years old, till around grade six. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like 10 years old,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where it is, okay, love you, love you, hug, you know, okay, bye, see you. How was school? Oh, good, we did this, 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 this. And then like middle school, it's like, yeah, just drop me a block away and I'll walk. I don't, it's like, I don't want to be seen with mm-hmm. my uncool parents. Um how is how is sort of that move for you leaving sort of what you know your comfort zone and coming to a new country
1: Um I I feel like um <laughs> I feel like you are so uh <laughs> how do I say it I feel like you are so informed about how it would have been for me <laughs> So I, I came here, my parents, they're relatively, back in Saudi, considered open-minded, but here they're considered conservative. Okay. So when, they, when we arrived here, I just hit puberty, and for them, I have to cover up. And so when we got here, they made me cover my hair. And mm-hmm. um, that was exciting back home, because back home, I cover my hair. I'm like this, like, I'm an adult now, and I go with the, girl, with the older girls. But then suddenly I come here, and it's middle school, and I hated that. I was in West Van. And West Van is kind of a special area of Vancouver. It's a bit posh. Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So it didn't have that much diversity. Mm -hmm. And it it was actually maybe 40% or 30% Chinese, maybe 20, 30% Persian. But still, it's just very established groups. There wasn't any hijabi in the school. There wasn't, you know... Um, and the Persians, for example, that were there were p- people that suffered and struggled with religious oppression from Iran. And so there had a very strong opinion against. Um, but yeah, the problem is West middle school is separate. So you've got all those bubbling hormones together, three years, and then you have high school or secondary school, which is like very problematic. I'm glad my son here, it's not the same. It's like there is elementary and then there's high school, that's it. Okay. So I go there and with my hijab and my hormonal moustache and I'm walking and kids were making fun of me. And I don't know if it's that serious, but that's how I remember it is like they were making fun of me. And then when it was prayer time, because I at the time I was observant. So you know, I have to go and find a room to pray because there's almost two or three prayers that happen while I'm at school. And so it was also very embarrassing for me. I have to go to make ablution where I have to like clean before prayer and then go. And it's just, so it, and then when we had sports and there was boys in the class, I also had to stay out. So we had a dan- dance class that was mixed gender. So I had to stay away and do some homework or whatever. So it, it was kind of isolating in a way. Huh. Yeah.
0: And something, what what happened? Because you 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 left your parents. Like it was all of a sudden. You you started. They found your diary.
1: Yeah, I. So I, I when I finished middle school and I was going to high school, I'm like, this is a new beginning. Yeah. I have a chance now of having a new identity with the kids at school. Sure. So I I tried to tell my mom again that I didn't want to cover my hair. She's like, nope. There was no conversation about it. Okay. So I'm like, okay. So I started taking off my hijab when I left home without our knowledge. And so I'd like leave home and then choo, take off the scarf and then take off my baggy pants. And I was like the school kid all of a sudden, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, and so uh, what happened? Yeah, one day after, you know, a few months, I was feeling so guilty because I was always open with my mom. So yeah. I told her mom, like, I need to speak to you. And I told her about this. And then I think she went into a panic and she started like trying to figure out what's happening in my life. And she looked and she found some diaries where I was writing about making love to boys. (laughs) And I assure you, I had absolutely no boy who was interested in me being weird at that age. Um, yeah. So my mom panicked. She calls my dad. He was in Saudi at the time. She's like, "Oh my God, our kids are losing their faith. What? What are we gonna do?" And he's like, "Oh my God, let me book them all flights back home." <laughs> so within the within the middle of the semester, my dad, um, a book like um, took us out of school and he he found us admission in Saudi in schools and we were there.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've never like you. You always hear about these stories. Yeah. Wow, you actually lived it. And so were you or were you the type of kid that that did you resent your parents for that? Did you like, what was that relationship like?
1: Well, I think it was, um, it was, it definitely left a mark. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was very, it was very traumatic for me. Uh, because I think at that age, as a child, you feel like uh, trust it with your parents is very important. Um, and when you feel like um that trust breaks so trust, of like feeling like I get confined in my mom or my dad, and there's gonna be co- consequences that are like threatening to my well being and it 's just that when you 're kind of taken from one place and feel helpless and like moved back to another place and like no no transition, no like serious goodbyes to your friend, no explanation, you can't offer them and tell them why you know this is happening. So I did I did for a long time feel like I think that was the beginning of like really separating a lot of like having you know more of like privacy and secrecy I don't have to share everything I don't have to and like you have to you start to like play into the the good child you know and like doing everything right so that nothing happens and then um you you survive basically yeah um, uh, but, uh, it was good. Like uh, when I went back to Saudi it was fine. Like, you know, school and everything and university, for example, that's where I did my, my bachelor was free. Like you get, you get a stipend every month. And so there's goods and bads, but yeah. I, I, I've carried that guilt for a long time until oh. I, you know, I came here and unpacked, but the guilt of feeling like I was the reason that all my brothers had to change and had to go back. I'm the reason that of this um yeah of this change that happened in my family.
0: Wow. Did your how is your relationship with your siblings? Did they did they resent you at all?
1: Um I don't know. I I think with my sisters we are very close and um I think more and more we understand and we we are really rocks for each other nice. because um it's unfortunately but there's a really strong disconnect between me and my brothers for example and it's just because uh, for them maybe perhaps well they really believe in 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 the values that are practiced there and uh moreover i think they're very frustrated with all the rapid changes that are happening back in saudi Uh so i think there's this sense of everything going into chaos and you know those countries they have this um culture of, of um, liking predictability and uh, tradition and things and when things are just like haphazardly changing it's just yeah. it's really uncomfortable for them. So yeah we are on rocky relationship with with the brothers quote-unquote. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Has, has, has
0: this sort of experience um, informed how you raise your son?
1: Yeah, so I did. I, get, I got married when I was in Saudi from a Saudi man who's okay. until now, he's my best friend. He's closer to me than sometimes my family and he wow. supports me with acting. He's the one who's the reason I can start acting and not having to worry about income. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he was very open minded. And I think our marriage for the, for the while that it lasted really helped us both um, because we come from conservative families. So it allowed us safely and in an environment of trust and love to transition into a place where we got to question everything and we got to explore and we got to, and it was no longer about rebelling or just doing the opposite of what somebody told you, but it was pursuing about what do I want? What do I believe in? And then that allows you to start to see, well, the good things too about back home and what are the things that you like and and have a bit of of compassion and, and sympathy for certain things. It's like, why are people aggressive about certain things? And why are they afraid? And why are they behaving in a way they do? Wow, okay, that's great.
0: So where did acting come in? How, how old were you when you got, I don't know if it's a bug you get, <laughs> but uh, you know you, you graduate high school. Did you do, I don't know, is, is, there, is there acting classes that, that you can take in Saudi Arabia in high school? Is that, is that a class you take? Well, we had a school theater.
1: So I, okay. I, always, I liked performance. I liked making noise and standing out. I, <laughs> I won't lie about it. I like the spotlight when I, it's just, that's how it is. Half Taurus, half Gemini. It's a weird combination. Ah. Yeah, um, but there wasn't, I did my bachelor in English literature. That's as close as I could to, and then I did my master's in Portland uh, in screenwriting.
0: So, so tell me about that, and I, and I might be asking you questions that seem mm. ignorant, but you know, like I said, you know, the only thing we hear about Saudi Arabia is all the, all the bad stuff, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, oh, women can finally drive a car,
1: yeah. you
0: know, um, but, but tell me about that. I find that fascinating that, that from Saudi Arabia, you're able to go to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, to study acting on, on a scholarship. To tell me about, you
1: know, how did that come about? Um, so Saudi Arabia opened a scholarship program. It, okay. it used to have a scholarship program in the 70s. That's why a lot of people who are like government heads and people who have leading positions who are now in, like, let's say born, they were born between, I don't, I'm just randomly saying 1950 and 1945, somewhere around that area. There are people who w- went on scholarships. And then that program shut down. And then when it was my generation, so in the year, it was 2004, I think the new scholarship program opened with King Abdullah.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, uh,
1: He passed away. He was really loved. Um, uh, He opened it again. And you know, the word was, is that there was some agreement between Saudi and the US that there was a lot of, there was a kind of a lot of bubbling things under the surface of unemployment, youth frustration, Um, uh, over what's conservatism and all of that. So it was good for the youth to go out and study and explore other cultures. And so that's how it opened and it lasted for, I think it's still ongoing if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it enabled me to go and um, to do my master's degree and then also to have another scholarship for my PhD. But unfortunately, I didn't get um, uh, accepted in in Canada for, for PhD.
0: Okay. So you did your... Master's mm-hmm. in Portland. Yes. Uh, in Was it creative writing you did?
1: Yes, creative writing, a uh, focus on screenwriting. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So is that is that sort of, is that what you wanted to at that time pursue, was screenwriting and creating?
1: I, I would have wanted to do something related to acting or okay. journalism, or, but it wasn't, I had to choose a specialization that was related to my bachelor, and that was part of the requirement. Okay. So, this was as closely as I could get something accepted um, and go there. Um, but I just want to randomly, something came to my mind, and you're speaking about Saudi and the things you don't hear. Yeah, so, one yeah. of the best jobs, two jobs that I've had is when I finished my master's, is one of them was as a head writer for a TV comedy. So, I was leading a group of about 15 writers. Some of them were, were men, and some of them were women. Um, that was uh, part of the Middle East Broadcast Corporation, MBC. And then the other job that I love 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 it was the most fabulous job that I've had was with Prince um Al Walid bin Talal. And uh, I think he's one of the princes that was taken recently in part of the roundup of, of princes into um into the hotel. You know where they put them in like jail not jail but like okay uh, what's the word in English where you they restricted movement or you're not allowed House to. House Something like that, yeah. House arrest, okay. I think he's out now. I hear maybe he has something around his ankle. I, I have no idea. It's all the things you hear in the social media. Yeah, So yeah, I'm okay. not an informed person. <laughs> but he was one of the richest in Saudi and he had very oh, strong wow. emphasis on, um, on uh, philanthropy and three areas. And the area that I was executive manager in is East-West relations. So oh, wow. So interreligious dialogue, intercultural dialogue. And he would support programs. There's one in Harvard, in Cambridge, Edinburgh, and uh, a, a center of art in the Louvre. Um, and it was all for programs that would allow people to, especially in Abrahamic faith, uh, to like have uh, an understanding of how similar they are, rather oh, than. Oh wow!
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so wild. Tell tell me about you. This this comedy show you
1: were a head writer of. Yeah. What, what was the name of that show? Tell me about it. Uh, so, I did a second season for a show called Umm um, al-Hala. Okay. Umm al-Hala is like an expression in Arabic when somebody, things are like just, oh my god, all, everything is horrible and down the and you're like, Umm al-Hala. <laughs> it's like, okay. what do I do with this? And, all right. Uh, yeah, and it was a bit about like a group of guys, very like mm, um, middle class that operate um, a garage. And okay. it's just their simple lives and their stories of like simple things that, you know, boys from that class want. They want a job, they want a girl, they want to, you know, <laughs> get along with their parents.
0: Wow. Yeah. How, and how many episodes were there in this season two?
1: So in Saudi, they usually have 30. Um, they, oh, wow. you, they would have 30 episodes and it was the first time, one of the very first shows to be restricted down to Uh, 30 minutes or like 25 minutes usually used to run longer than that yeah yeah
0: that was amazing how is comedy in Saudi Arabia different than uh I guess here in North America
1: um you have to be very creative about addressing things because there isn't so one of the so one of the struggles they had, um, there was a comedy show and the there was a group of guys that work in it and they didn't want to have, have girls there. Because they're like half of our work is not the thing that are going to go on screen because there's a lot of censorship. So the, you know, in the room of the writing room, there has to be a lot of obscenity and like language, found language and things where culturally they weren't comfortable about sharing the space with women and being, behaving that badly in their language. Ah. Um, yeah, so the so problem with comedy in Saudi is like, comedy comes from a place of breaking a lot of the rules, a lot of the things that people are not comfortable with. So it's difficult to approach it and navigate it. Um, and one of the most popular show that was like everybody would remember whether they hated it or not in Saudi is called Tash Ma Okay. And the actors Nasr al Qasabi and uh, Assadhan—they um, are people who were used comedy to talk about a lot of politics. So that was the hottest thing: is how to use it to allude or directly talk about things that you weren't allowed to speak up about.
0: Okay, satire. Satire, yeah. Well, that's really that's really interesting.
1: But uh, I would say a comedy is still. Is still not our strongest suit. I think in Egypt, for example, they're good with comedy. Egypt has a very long history with comedy. It's like most of what we watched growing up, it comes out of Egypt.
0: And is is comedy out in the, in the Middle East a way of, exploring, topics that you can't really talk about in public?
1: Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but still, like, yeah, at the end, at the end, there is the sh- censorship goes on. And so they have to be creative with uh, how they navigate certain things. Okay. Um, and when governments are smart, they allow a little bit of room, even with things they're uncomfortable with, because people need to vent. <laughs> they need to have a little bit of breathing space.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, so you, 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 you have that show. Mm-hmm. Um you're still not acting though, Aisha. Well, oh, until where, then? When, yeah. Like when, when does, when does acting, where does acting come? So when place?
1: I, when I returned in 2013, I came back to Vancouver. Um, I, I split with my, with my ex-husband, with my, yeah. um, I split with him and because he wanted to stay in Saudi. I wanted to be in Canada. I knew for sure. Um, Why did so, you
0: want to come? Sorry. I don't mean, I, yeah. I want to interrupt you here. Why did you want yeah. to come to Canada?
1: well it's you know that story of like when you have left a place and you're like one day i will come back and i will live the life that i wanted to live
0: you wanted to meet those boys who were in your diary right exactly.
1: <laughs> oh how i miss them amores. <laughs> oh where are the boys you tell me where are the boys i came here and they're not, not nowhere to be found <laughs>
0: You're all Covid
1: is not helping.
0: No, it is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you you came when 15? Yeah, two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: I yeah I came and um I I spent I didn't realize it at the time but I spent around between a year or two years I worked in insurance jobs the first job that I could find and to support myself and my son at the time. Um, I didn't know I was struggling with emotions and like, you know, th- when you transition between a long-term relationship into like, is there's so much bubbling and happening. And at yeah. the time you think I'm just fine. I'm fine. But like you're behaving in a way where you're disconnecting emotionally from anything. You don't want to feel, you don't want to love, you don't want to, um, so that emotional unavailability. And then one, t- one day um, I randomly took a voiceover class because I like performing and I like, you know, spotlight, like we said, and I'm like, OK, let me take voiceover. And I had a teacher. Uh, it was a class acting for voiceover. Her name is Fiona Hogan. And I will owe her forever, because I, she is the person who changed my life in so many different ways. And so I went to her, and she's like, Aisha, you should act. I'm like, oh, my god, acting now. She's like, <laughs> you should act. And so I started taking acting classes with her, scene study, auditioning. But I started a lot with scene study. Um, and I just loved it. And it turned out to be, uh, as many actors would tell you, is, is it's like acting sometimes is like therapy, but where the therapist kind of cuts you open, but never puts you back together again. Oh. And so yeah, it allows you to explore all the emotional spaces that you had so locked, you locked so tight, and you're like, nope, you know, never going there, you go there and you experience the horrors of going there. And then that's where you have to start going to therapists or you have to find, seek some, in order to like actually navigate safely and be able to, to like deal with it. <laughs> yeah, so acting then became my thing. And like after that, it, I, I saw how it made me more grounded, started to make me more connected even in my relationship with my son. Um, I just like, it, it was like I was floating like fireworks and all of a sudden, oh, here's the ground. Oh my god the ground is so lovely and beautiful you know it's it's, it was just like arriving arriving in a place and um i found me an agent first for voiceover because they one day they were looking for somebody who speaks arabic and from there i'm like can you represent me in in camera too and she's like okay and after that it, it was just a process and it takes a long time yeah Acting is very humbling because you think, oh, I, I took classes and I'm going to go, but it takes a long time. And, uh, you know, you just, it, you, you learn to not put your ego at the forefront because you get, you just audition and never hear back about anything. And it's okay. It's not, it's not about you. It's about the characters and a lot of other decisions that are not yours.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to, to start, I guess, later in life th- than most people? was there a lot of second guessing
1: no it was very simple wow Um, i believe in and i believe that in life you know it gives you signs sometimes and you keep ignoring them and then suddenly it doesn't give you a sign it gives you a wall and you hit it oh and i hit a wall i was working with insurance for five years and then one day and you know you do all that goal career planning and goal oriented whatever setting and then One day in my department, the manager just wanted to remove me from one place and install me somewhere else. And I felt like I was this piece in a machine that just easily gets plugged. All that bullshit about what do you wanna do did not exist, it didn't matter. And I really struggled with that. And I just like, I I had to make that accept, not make a a choice, I had to accept his decision in a week. And I was stressed and I was crying and I was speaking to my ex-husband and he said you know you've supported me when we were together and he's a novelist he has four published novels oh wow and yeah yeah he's he's great and he's, he's like you've done all of that so so take a break do the things that you've always wanted and i'm like yeah and i'm like and i in my heart like i don't want to be that old lady on her deathbed and i'm like i've always wanted to be an actor i want to say i was i tried and i failed i tried and it wasn't for me but I don't want to regret it.
0: Wow. <laughs> Do you remember your first paid gig?
1: My first in, in on camera you mean? Yeah
0: well tell, tell me about your first like paid gig. I, I'm assuming it might have been a voiceover.
1: The first gig was voiceover. Yeah. I did one for Historica Canada and I was sound of like um um and I uh, a refugee very, very long time ago. They were doing a segment about like a historic time and I had to do something in a very colloquial uh, Iraqi dialect. Um, But my first on camera is a belly dancer.
0: (laughs) Okay, wait, what show, movie?
1: It was Unreal, the TV show Unreal. Okay. Season four, and that's the time where I decided to change my name because I had to do a belly dancing gig on like, on a, an, a, and then the, one of the lead characters in the show had to like grab me and I had to turn around and slap him. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, I think this is too much of a transition. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I gotta give myself a name and I changed my name legally even. I'm like, oh. you know, it's time to give birth to myself and everything that I wanna be from now on. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so nobody in my family would, you know, I don't feel guilty because family names back home are very important. So I don't feel like I've hurt the family name. Whatever I do is my name. Hmm. That's,
0: that's, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but there's a lot there, isn't there?
1: (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. It's, it feels nice. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Good, good, good. (laughs) But I'm sure family has seen that clip. Nope. (laughs) They haven't seen it. <laughs> we'll it. We'll keep it quiet. This is a,
1: keep it quiet. We'll keep it quiet. Um, I mean, it's there, but, you know. Yeah. It's out there. Wow. Wait, wait. And I, even, I, I even had, like, I did a belly dance on stage one time with, with my belly dance teacher. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was one of my life goals. I wanted to belly dance. And I did it, and it's like, okay, next thing. Next thing.
0: <laughs> next thing. Um, okay, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Um, what does your son think of what you do?
1: Yeah, so my son is, um, yeah, you've asked that question that I somehow not ended up answering is, I didn't bring him, my, my ex-husband and I, we were very adamant that we struggled a lot with something being very certain and then having to question it. And then there's such huge transitions. So what we follow with him is that we let him be aware of what's there, but also respectful. So when he goes back home, he has to observe and respect that for people. It's a matter of like, you know, hell and life and death, all of that you know, religious practices. So to, to respect where people are coming from and that it's truth for them. It's not, it's not just this, like I support this uh, team and I fight against that team. Um, so he, he understands people's point of view and perspectives. But one time when he was in middle school and when he was in elementary, he told me, listen, I'm an atheist. And I told him that's like, that's great. Like that you have an opinion. I like that you have an opinion for yourself but what matters is like never park your car somewhere and say that's it i've arrived always remain curious and remain open to uh, to hear and don't feel shy ever about changing your mind as you go down the road oh yeah
0: that's amazing and and he's it, he sounds like someone who could sort of navigate both of these worlds you know the north american openness and you know back home where there is like religious structure yeah. in place and not sort of be disrespectful.
1: Yes, um, and especially that he goes there and he sees the love. Like his all his father's family, because that's where he usually stays, they are just beautiful. They're from the south of Saudi and they're beautiful, loving people. They just get together every day and they chat and chat. and. They have tea and then coffee and then food and then tea and then coffee. It's just, you know, and so he goes and he sees the warmth. He loved that being surrounded nice. by people. And he understands that element that it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing that matters to them.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. He didn't experience as I did sometimes the things that were negative about it. And so that's good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Tell me how this rule came to be for you, Jasmine Road.
1: Um, I had an audition. So I I was volunteering with uh, ISS of BC Immigrant Service Society of British Columbia and Vancouver Association for Survivors of Torture. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, mental health for refugees. And I was just volunteering like randomly. It was just one summer. And then I had this audition and I'm like, oh my God, how could my two worlds come together? It's completely two different things. And I was so excited to try that for that role. And I, I just submitted it and then a year goes by and I don't hear anything. I completely mm. assumed that I didn't get the job as always. Sure. And then that year later, my agent emails me again and she's like, oh, you have a callback for that role that you auditioned for a year ago. And I was so happy uh, because throughout that year, I've developed such interest in reading about trauma, PTSD yeah. um, and um even learning about myself, and it, it just felt wonderful, and also uh, such an honor to be allowed to play a role of of somebody who's gone through such hardships. And um, it's just it it feels like a big responsibility, but an honor at the same time.
0: Yeah, when I was um, when I was watching it yesterday, there there's saying... oh, you watched it? <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah,
0: I, I got uh... Shh, I got the link. <laughs> Um, there there seemed to be similarities in your story like your life story mm-hmm. and uh and the story uh, you know of of Layla her her daughter and her that's her brother yeah yeah um t- tell me like what, what was it a very personal project for you
1: Um, what do you mean? Was it a personal project?
0: Like, was it was it just okay? Here's a gig, my first leading role. You know, my first oh. head role, or or was it something that you felt a a responsibility mm. towards that was bigger than the bigger than just the movie?
1: Definitely, of course, it's a bigger uh, responsibility, and you know, it's. It, It it is. So the thing about Jasmine Road and the the role in it is that it was the first time. So it's definitely a growing place for me because every time I've done a role as I audition is it's been something that is very different for me. But Jasmine Road was a role where I was allowed to be completely authentically myself as an Arab person. Mm. Um, So it's my friends who know me and they've seen my audition, they're like, Aisha, this is the best time, the best audition we've seen for you. And it's just something clicked because when you're a new actor and you're trying and exercising, you try to always be a character of what you think a character is. But with this one, even the director was very adamant. Is like, I want my actors, I want their hair. How do they do their hair? I want you to keep their hair the same. How do they a dress. I want you to respect, you know, the, if they're, you know, ways that they dress. Um, and he's like, accent, you have an accent, put it on. And we did have a dialect coach for speaking more of the Aleppo dialect, but, um, I, what was nice about it, it did allow me to be a person who's from somewhere else with an accent and feeling a struggle to belong. So yeah, maybe in that aspect, it was very personal. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I rambled on.
0: <laughs> tell us, so so, Jasmine Road, tell us a little bit about the movie, what's, what's it about?
1: So it's about a Syrian family from Aleppo that was, um, um, they were staying at a refugee camp in Turkey. And that's usually sometimes, you know, when you're a refugee from Syria, there's camps where you go before you're part of a, a program. So United Nations, you're, you know, you, you seek a, migrate, a refugee somewhere else. So they moved to. They got um, after staying three years in refugee camp. They moved to Canada and they arrive. The the film sort of starts with them arriving in Calgary, yeah. airport, and and um, they are received and they uh, have go into a transitional housing there, um, and they are met with um, with a family who just recently at like a very Alberta, uh, south of Alberta cowboy culture family that yeah. recently struggled with the loss of their mother. And so they are hosted by that family where both of them are completely extreme ends of the world, different value systems, but come together struggling with their losses and they find healing yeah. through each other.
0: It's a great, it's not, it's not a, like for me when I watch it, it doesn't sound like a, a Canadian movie, but it's a, it's a very Canadian story. Oh yeah, uh, you know in terms of immigration and um you know how we deal with newcomers
1: yeah it's very it's very authentically canadian and um everything is done with consultation of organizations that actually do this work yeah and people who participated and who advised the movie are people who actually practice and work in those organizations um and the cast is from all over canada so from from Ontario, Quebec, uh, Alberta, and, and BC.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you happy with the movie? You sound happy.
1: I'm, I'm very happy with this opportunity. It's, you know, when does it happen a person starting in their mid thirties from somewhere else are able to play a lead role in a film just three years after they start acting? Yeah. It's wonderful opportunity.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, there there's been a lot of uh talk uh about uh diversity in in entertainment uh in canada we've had uh, you know the success of shows um you know obviously there's Shits creek um yeah. that that did very well and you know sort of the, the the story for the past couple of years has been about uh you know this gay couple um there's the success of Kim's Convenience, oh yeah, as well.
1: Um, Transplant,
0: yeah, and then we also have now, um, you know, your your son probably loves the movie Black Panther. Uh, we've got a, a Canadian who is playing. Um, uh, I think a year or two ago he got picked up. He used to be in Kim's Kim's Convenience, who's now going to be playing a a Marvel superhero. in just like a week or two ago. Uh, we had Marvel announce Miss Marvel, who is going yeah. to be played by a a, a young Muslim uh, girl. Um, you, you're you're coming in, into sort of the industry at a time where um, the rules seem to be uh, rewriting themselves. Um, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts about what's going on in in the in the industry?
1: I am very excited for this time. It is, uh, I, I did not see it coming. Um, I, I wanted to add, uh, transplant is also one of my favorite and also very Canadian.
0: Yes, have
1: yes.
0: It? No, I have not seen that sure. yet.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, the, one, the lead guy is, um, he's, I think, from Pakistan and he lived in Saudi for a while.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that it's a very good time to put your better, best foot forward. Um, to um, try to reflect on where things you can improve. Uh, and um, w- during COVID, we had a lot of casting directors that were giving, you know, coaching classes and they were very outspoken also about that. So it's mm-hmm. a collective effort because it's, it's not only about a casting director has only so much power. Um, a director has only so much power and he just goes all the way to the top. So I think when everybody p- puts their pressure on at the same time, um, but what matters at the end for actors is with that awareness, just keep doing your training and keep go- being better and not being, I think one of the issues that people sometimes have and about after years of, of being exposed to feeling not good enough is just feeling like you are not good enough or that you have to apologize or ask permission. And that's not only applies to people of color, it also applies, and like people of like LGBTQ, it applies to Canadians. Um, that's one of the things we're talking about because BC now is ahead and we can do a lot of filming here during COVID because the cases are still better. It's, there's a lot of hiring happening out of BC as opposed to bringing them from the US. But the question is problem with US Canadian actors for the longest time is they're a bit polite and they're always, you know, they seem a bit apologetic about taking up the space. Yeah. And it's almost like it's a confusion between confidence and aggression. And it doesn't oh. have to be. You can be confident but not be an asshole. Yeah. You know, it can be. So it's a it's tricky because we don't feel comfortable with that. And oh. it's also like kind of learning together how to just say, I I, you know, I can do this. And there, there you have it.
0: Excellent. I right, so we're we're nearing the end. Mm -hmm. of our chat I want to have a a, just I think just one more question yeah um tell me one thing about yourself that most people don't know
1: Hmm. one thing about myself I am very afraid of the water but I am working really hard to not make this um be handicapped because I love paddleboarding and I love um, I love a lot of water sports. Um, I lost um, a brother when I was eight months old. He was three years old, and we lost him to drowning when my family was. Um, so my grandfather was an ambassador to Saudi, in Bangladesh, Nigeria, and Pakistan, and I think they were in Nigeria at the time, and he drowned in the pool. With a, there were a lot of kids, and they didn't notice him. Oh no. And so I think my mom, she really became, has super anxieties around water and we inherited this it, without knowing. Um, and so, yeah, when I'm in the water, it's like, I struggle with breathing, not very consciously, but I'm like, like, even though my cardio is relatively good, I lift weights. I lift, like one time I reached 200 pounds in my, um, in my deadlifts, <laughs> like I love weights, but yeah. Water. Um, so I, I do now uh, cold plunging with friends to get over it. I sometimes just throw myself randomly in the water, whatever I can. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Aisha, this, Mm -hmm. uh, has been a great chat. Thanks so much for your time. The movie is, uh, Jasmine Road. Um, is it going to be available for, for people to, to watch?
1: So right now it's doing the festival circuit. Okay. And uh, we're applying, there's still, I don't know, 60 more festivals we're applying. Wow. We are really trying, so the, I'm just sending the word out. We really wanted to reach the communities, not necessarily the convent, con, what's the word? The typical traditional communities of film festivals. So if there is any special festivals that are going on, the movie covers, you know, issues about being refugee, about being gay, Um, It covers about being a person of color, a person who's grieving and dealing with mental health. So we're trying to make it reach the audiences that are really going to connect with it. So I would love to have a chance to share it with, you know, within Canada and within the U.S. and have it more visible. So please, like, check the website and see if there's a, um, you know, if there's a chance for you to view it somewhere near you. (laughs) For sure. Yeah.
0: Aisha, thanks so much for your time and all the best to you in your career and all the best to the movie.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. It was so wonderful.